Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Masked Llama, Andrew Liguori, Ozzy Garcia, Keith Gasper, and Discimera. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Hey everyone, Chris Copeland from the Retro Hangover Podcast here. And first of all, I would like to thank you for listening to the King of Games 2000. This is a collaborative effort between the Retro Hangover and Region Free Gamers podcast. New episodes will be debuting bi-weekly on each respective show. So if you're listening to this episode on the Retro Hangover podcast, know that a new one will be coming out two weeks after the debut of this episode on Region Free Gamers. And then two weeks after that, it'll be back over here on the Retro Hangover podcast and vice versa. If you're a patron, you'll be getting a new episode every week, regardless of which show that you're a patron of as a way of us saying thank you and you'll be getting it early hope you enjoy the show open your ears and crack some beers you are listening to a very special episode of retro hangover Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to the podcast. We are going to talk about the King of Games 2000. There it is. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen. And as always, I am joined by your host, Shane Dick Dragon Koski. And we have our very, very special guest. Paul Romalo from Region Free Gamers, who is helping us do this collaboration with the King of Games 2000. Once again, welcome, Paul. This is like the second time in the first round. What the hell is going on here, man? I don't know, man. It's us three again. I don't know how the heck that happened, yeah. but I appreciate the intro. Yeah. Two varies before special. Not even my mom does that. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to move in that territory. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> she she's getting old. She'll need a replacement soon, I suppose. I can become queen mum. She's old too, you know. Hey, look, Canada, part of the Commonwealth. That's how you guys roll. I get it. It's all right. These are all good points. Yeah, they're <laughs> very very real. Very 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 cognizant and whatever the word is that's appropriate. That probably wasn't appropriate. I don't know. I really don't care. Any case, <laughs> this is the King of Games 2000. And if you're here, that hopefully you've listened to our prior episodes. If not, this is what we're doing. We are taking 16 games from the year 2000 that we have all voted on uh, between Region Free Gamers and Retro Hangover Podcast and decided what are the top games, top 16 games of the year 2000 in, in our order. So, yes, like we said in the previous episodes, maybe some of your favorites aren't here. We will address that in a later episode. But these are the ones that we thought were most worth debating talking about and ranking and overall in this very serious and future award winning series we will determine what is the <laughs> you know uh 100 confirmed best game of the year 2000 no questions asked 
Yep. Isn't that right, yes. guys? Objective yeah. assessment. 100% objective assessment. And by the way, everyone who is a patron of either the Region of Free Gamers or the Retro Hangover Podcast will have early access to this. So that means if you're listening to this for free now, first of all, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. But you could have been listening to this probably a couple months ago. Um, and that's fine if you don't want to. That's fine. I appreciate you, but you're a fucking scrub, and if you had been paying money, you could have heard this way before. You damn Deku, say. you damn Deku scrubs. For less than $1 a month, well, not less than, but $1 a month, you could have listened to all this audio. But in any case, look, if you want to support us, support us, you're listening to us now, so that's, that's, that's where the support counts. First of all, hi, Shane. How are you doing? Oh, hey. Welcome to your show. Um, I'm doing... Pretty good. Oh, I thank you. I appreciate that. I was just really enjoying listening to you, like, kind of just keep going. It. I can always tell when you start like looking for words because you just start kind of like filling stuff in, and it's always it's always a good time. But <laughs> I don't have a good time. If, if for anything else, I appreciate the entertainment value from it. So thank you is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's called swimming for words for me. It's probably not the right. Paul, how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing great, man. I I actually, I can't wait to talk about these two games. I think it's a pretty, pretty even matchup. I mean, I have a pretty good idea which way I'm going to vote, but I could always be swayed. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about these. I'm pretty sure no one here today is going to try and sway you. I, I might try to sway in a, in a certain way, but not in what I think anybody would actually. Well, my expectation is that Shane will want to vote for neither game. Yeah, um, I listen, I wanted to know what the rules were for this King of Games competition, because if there was a way to just shit on two games at once, <laughs> I could I, I'd be down for that. Um, it could result. You could just say no. And me and Paul can fight to the death. I'll get my plane tickets and I'm about to get vaccinated in, in a few days at the time of recording. So it should clear me to for travel. <laughs> nice. Me and Paul can meet up at a at an agreed upon location. And we can duel to agree on who advances. So if you don't hear anything from Paul in round two or myself, you know what has happened. Yes. Yeah. That, that's your motivation for getting vaccinated. He's like, I want to travel to Canada to throw hands with this asshole. Fight to the death for Majora's Mask or The Sims. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Paul, we know that you are from the Region Free Gamers podcast, especially if you've been listening to our podcast for a while. But before we really get into this, how about you go ahead and tell everybody about RFG? It's the Region Free Gamers podcast, man. It's the podcast fluent in gaming. We basically just kind of talk about whatever we want, video game-wise. Often it's retro games, sometimes it's current stuff, but mainly we just try to have fun with our international group of hosts and guests. That's pretty much what it's all about. And it's a fun time, too. I, you know, Obviously, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of your show, or else we probably wouldn't be doing this. If I hated your show, this wouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah, as a ringing I hate endorsement. You so much, please join us. <laughs> yeah. We're just—we're actually playing the long game so that we can just torpedo your show by being on it enough times. <laughs> That's how it works. So, if you want to know how the King of Games 2000 works, uh, as we already said, we took the 16 games. So what we do is we go through uh, four basic criteria that. Uh, make up the games. The first one is commercial and critical reception. The second one is personal attachment, how much it means to us, uh, what what these games mean to us personally. The legacy genre-defining qualities of both these games. And which one would we rather play today? Which, of course, does not mean that would be our choice to advance, but it's just what would we pick up and rather play today? 
But before we get into the criteria, we just like to bullshit about the games. So I think we should start off with uh, the games that we'll be talking about today, which is The Sims and Majora's Mask, as was briefly talked about before. And let's start out with The Sims. So let's talk about some basic information about this game. So there is The Sims that was released on January 31st, 2000. So right at the beginning of the year. And it was released on PC, specifically Windows, not Linux. Uh, it also did have releases on Mac in 2000 in July. Linux did get a release in 2003, as did the PS2 and the GameCube. It had a Metacritic score of 92, uh, with the lowest score that it received was from Yahoo at 60, which, you know, um, <laughs> if, depending on some gamers, that might mean that they're they're really putting an honest effort into the review scores. Who knows? Uh, Sales-wise, it sold 16 million copies. for And, yeah, for a 2000 release, that's a lot, with 11.2 million of those sales just for PC alone. Was also the best-selling PC game of all time in release and stayed the top selling on the top selling charts for four and a half years. Uh, also, hey, look, this is probably the favorite of Filthy Casuals worldwide. So, yeah, hey, <laughs> Paul. Speaking of which, how what is what do you want to talk about The Sims? <laughs> speaking of Filthy Casuals, you're up. Wow. So, <laughs> The Sims, man. All I can say about The Sims is that it was different than anything that I had ever played. And it was bizarrely charming and addictive. Like, it was that game that I just never really expected to like. And then, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours later, I'm watching my little person go about their day and trying to, you know, have them have a more fulfilling life than my own. Not very difficult. (laughs) Or kill them in some way that's entertaining, Mm. usually by starvation. Shane? Uh, Yeah, so... This one falls into a category uh, kind of in the likes of uh, like Animal Crossing, for instance, where I get the appeal, <laughs> but it's just not something that I've ever it's never grabbed me. Like when I when I saw that this came out, first of all, I was like, I, I literally could not care any less about this. That might have also been slightly tainted by maybe some mild case of PC gamer elitism at the time. But it was a PC you game. Know. Yeah. 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 But that's my point. <laughs> it wasn't Doom. <laughs> what is this trash doing on my master race system? <laughs> that's what. No. So it's just, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not going to deny that it's was not like a, a huge thing. And um, I knew quite a few people that got very sucked into this game. So it was kind of hard not to uh, have some sort of, familiarity with the game even if it was like purely through osmosis or or something like that but yeah that's that's what i got (laughs) (laughs) my experience i mean i think the the interesting thing is i think we all have kind of unique experiences based off the you know stories we just gave here mine was i got this game shortly after release i'm pretty sure i I think i had an expansion pass so maybe uh expansion pack so i it was probably a little bit after release i don't know when the first expansion pack came out but it was because this game was a significant deal this game was a big 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 deal so i had to check it out i love all the other sims games you know sim city um sim tower sim ants sim city 2000 uh sim city 3000 i think i briefly Mm -hmm. played i was a big fan of all of them uh so i got the sims 
and I did whatever I could to get into it. And it was, I'm kind of the kind of person that might get in this kind of game. I love games like Harvest Moon. Uh, in fact, I don't play games like Harvest Moon because as soon as I do, I'll stay up to two, three, oh, four o'clock in the morning. It's a disaster. There's no self-control <laughs> with these games, honestly. I, I can't do it. But for some reason, I booted up The Sims and I just couldn't get into it. Wow. I, I tried my damnedest. And this, you know, as as a young teenage me, I, I did whatever I could to get into this game. And I, it just didn't appeal to me. It yeah, was just, man. You know, what do I do? Whatever you want to do. I don't. I need to have purpose. There is no purpose. Just do it. The, the I, purpose is no. getting your sim laid, right? Like, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> get laid Wahoo. myself. So obviously, right. somebody in my house has to. That's why you play Harvest Moon. You get that waifu, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right, man. Like, we do have the opposite experiences because I yeah. I didn't want to like it. I had a little bit of Shaneitis in that way. I was like. This game, I don't know, man. The Sims, give me a break. I loved SimCity, don't get me wrong. SimCity 2000 was 100% my jam. And then SimCity 4 later after that was, I loved that game. So I I had like a pedigree of liking a game that had the letters S-I-M in order. But I just didn't expect to like The Sims at all. And I actually, I didn't even buy it. I, I downloaded it from you know, an unsavory website, probably. I think I actually played it without sound, the version that I had. Like, it had no sound. If you turn on the volume, it would crash or something. It was it was the most ghetto nice. thing, I swear to God. I mean, the game ended up being 20 bucks or something, and I couldn't pony up for it like, you know, 16 million other people did. Yeah, it just, it just grabbed me. It grabbed me, and I didn't expect it to. So go figure. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, the way that I first experienced it was from a demo disc from my PC Gamer magazine. Oh yeah, and uh, I threw that in the in the old in the old family computer and installed that demo. And uh, a Famicom? the extent of my playtime with it, <laughs> yes, I threw the disc in my Famicom, imported directly from Japan. I won't explain how that works. It's it's not for casuals, but it's floppy disk. Point being is uh, I. I I fired it up and I was going to give it kind of like a fair shot. And I think I maybe played it for about, I'm going to say 20 minutes, probably long enough to figure out that I could put a sim in a pool and then delete the ladder. Great times. Uh, and I was like, all right, I feel like I've gotten what I wanted out of this game. <laughs> and that was it. Like, it just, uh, I don't know, man. Like, and it's funny too because actually even the the EA executives at the time when the idea was brought to them they were just like are you fucking insane oh, yeah. you want a what you, you want yeah. a virtual dollhouse um that's going to suck of course they were incredibly like aggressively oh, wrong but we we clearly weren't the only ones that maybe were thinking that on the outside no we we certainly weren't and to me this is kind of the game that holds the torch for maybe we can try something new for once for fuck's sakes instead of the next 20th call of duty well <laughs> call of duty wasn't a thing yet so no but i mean yeah i was like they were <laughs> I, I get your point call of duty <laughs> two at that point maybe. not even i think you know i was planning on touching more on this on with legacy but you know this is kind of there now with ea saying this isn't going to fly it's it's because of what the demographics in the market were yeah um, and, yeah of and kind of still are yeah we're not the target demographic for the sims by by any no. stretch of the imagination. So when EA is looking at, you know, the game that was, you know, 
codenamed Dollhouse. And I think they started talking about this in like 93, 94. Yeah, yeah, it was percolating for a while. Yeah. EA was probably not, like, it looks ridiculous now that EA would say no to it, but think about the gaming market in 94 and what executives were thinking about how, what games to develop and publish. Yeah. Like, this is a game that, like, absolutely not. That wouldn't sell. Like, we don't have a female market. Why would we do that? Like, that doesn't make sense. Well, they found a female market. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only difference between me and EA at that time is that I would have said no faster. Really. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's a legitimate point. And we're definitely going to talk about that in Legacy because it's something that you cannot overlook when it comes to The Sims and just how it attracted a... An audience that wasn't expected to be attracted, especially by EA. And yeah. like, they, like they got it. They certainly did. Moving on to his competitor, let's talk about Majora's Mask, which was released on October 25th, 2000. Metascore of 95 with uh, the lowest score awarded to it was GameSpot with an 83, which um, games, that's when GameSpot was still giving you know, not totally bought reviews. Um, <laughs> sales, sales, and this is just for the N64. This doesn't account for anything beyond it. Is a three point three six million units, which is a big seller for the N64. Yeah, and yeah. Um, for some reason, this was one of those Zelda games that no one really regarded as an all time great Zelda game until about 2012, 2013. And do you guys think that was because of YouTube? And why is the answer to that yes? <laughs> there's there's a few reasons. I mean, first of all, it has the name Zelda on it. So the fact that it wasn't well received, it was, it was there's, I think there's an inevitability about that. Eventually, you're even going to have people saying Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link is, is underappreciated and unheralded and actually kind it's already of started i've already heard that yeah it's already started yeah. yeah exactly and i don't i don't even disagree with that i really like that game but we're not talking about it mm-hmm. so there is kind of an inevitability to that because it is a quality title and it has the word zelda on it that was going to happen it was just a matter of when does youtube have something to do with it yeah absolutely the uh the the sort of like fan fiction cult game-ish creepypasta part of it i think had something to do with it you know <laughs> i drowned not, yeah but like there's there was a pretty big proliferation of that kind of stuff around that time and majora's masks tone really lends itself well to it so i i think those couple things had something to do with it do you guys have anything else so i have some thoughts about that i think part of it is um distance from the release of ocarina of time and what i mean by that is if I had to go out on a limb, and this is purely anecdotal because it's based on my experience, really, but I feel like if there were enough people out there like myself who loved the shit out of Ocarina and then were super stoked for a follow-up and then got Majora's Mask, which was nothing like what anybody was expecting in a follow-up to Ocarina... I think there was a certain level of kind of backlash there that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths for a very long time. And so I think the further away from Ocarina you get, I think the more people are going to be a little bit more objective about their assessment of uh, Majora's because they're not sizing it up immediately against Ocarina. They're judging it for its own like qualities is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, 
that's a really good point because even at the time i remember people picking up majora's mask and it's just it's just not the same it's not ocarina part two it's its Mm -hmm. own thing and when you're setting up people for ocarina part two you know that's that's what's going to happen so yeah i I couldn't agree more that's a really good point it needed some years to to kind of marinate and sit and uh taste better later I think it was the same thing as like Wind Waker, right? Like fucking oh, people yeah. hated Wind Waker because they were just like, what's I, this cutesy fuck. garbage? It's baby Link. Yeah. And then like years later, everyone's like, Wind Waker was one of the best Zeldas ever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you hated this like 10 years ago. What we've learned is that the Zelda fan base is the most neurotic of fan bases. They're mm, like they're right by far. There. They are. Ever since, think about everything since, uh, just, just everything. You have the legend, the original Le- Legend of Zelda, which was the greatest game ever, and then it didn't age well. Ugh. You have the Legend of, uh, the Adventures of Link, which was complete and utter trash until it wasn't. You have a Link <laughs> to the Past, no one touched that. So, ever, that has always yeah, been good. No one has yeah, ever yeah, said yeah, anything bad about that game. the only untouchable, apparently. <laughs> the only one. Uh, Ocarina, which, depending on who you talk to, hasn't aged well and or is the best game ever, but it depends what day you catch them on. Majora yeah. was neglected for years. Uh, Twilight Princess was great until it wasn't, and then it was again. Twilight Princess is an excellent Zelda game as long as you don't rely on motion controls. There. That's it. Yeah, but people didn't yeah. say that five years after it. No. People didn't say that. No, you're right. Same with Wind Waker. You brought up Wind Waker. Skyward Sword was the greatest Zelda game ever until it wasn't. That's always trash. And then Breath of the Wild was the greatest game ever until uh, the weapon durability did not make it a great game. The Zelda fan base, like, loves a game, divorces the game, and then was like, you know what? My ex was really good in bed. <laughs> that's 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 the Zelda fan base. That's what they do. Take me back, baby. I promise I've changed. <laughs> Majora's Mask is is just the exception where people were like, nah, we don't really want to deal with you. You're the ugly one. And then they're like, oh shit, when she takes off her glasses, she's hot. And that's Majora's Mask. <laughs> that's a oddly accurate assessment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like just like Shane said, I didn't play this game when it came out. And I was one of those people in 2000, uh, even though as a huge Dreamcast dude, I still thought Zelda Ocarina of Time was the best game ever made. True. And when Majora's Mask came out, I think it was just I heard it was way different. So I didn't engage with it. And I was already, like I've said in previous episodes, way deep into the Dreamcast. Why would I waste my time with something that radically different when I had new things that were shiny and awesome? Yeah. So. I'm not I'm not going to bother with it. And I never played it, even though I was really interested in a lot of the YouTube lore of the early 10s that um, really brought this game back into the forefront. I don't know if Nintendo re-releases this game for the 3DS if it wasn't for YouTube. I'm not I'm not sure they do. That's up for debate. I mean, this Nintendo's Nintendo. They do what they want anyway. So you can you can say they would have. But um, I didn't play it until preparation for this episode. And I'll, I'll kind of get into how I feel about it. Uh, let's just say uh, I, I've realized ever since, you know, when in preparation for this recording that uh, I understand why there's there's a following for it. I understand why people came around and came back to it and started talking about it the way they did. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the Zelda that is I don't want to say it's for grownups, but it's a Zelda game. It's unmistakably a Zelda game, obviously. It's not even that the tone is dark. Obviously, the tone is darker, but it has, I find anyway, that it has a more a more personal feel to it. The NPCs are a little bit more fleshed out. They're they just they just matter more. 
you know, that's a, that clock on the bottom of the screen, that clock is fantastic. It's just a constant reminder. You know what I mean? It's, I don't want to use the word oppressive because that has a negative connotation. No, but... it's oppressive. No, it's not. <laughs> Initially it is. But I... No, it's not. Yes, you're right. Initially it is, but then it's not. But I love it. I love I love that that's in there. I love that they went there with that. I think it's I think it's a great part of the game. I like but I mean, I don't know, on on the Region Free Gamers podcast, I talk all the time about how I love games that are stressful. So, you know, <laughs> this this is for me, but perhaps not for for others. Well, and so it's interesting that you bring up the sort of personal feel that you kind of get from it. Um I guess maybe a little bit more intimate than some of the other yes. Zelda games and uh and there, I think there's a really good reason for that. I mean, it was part of the design direction, more or less, right from the beginning. I mean, initially, this was supposed to be, it was, it well, initially, it was a board game idea, and then they wanted to turn it into a game where it was on a seven day cycle, where you went through each of the seven days and things would play out the same way but slightly differently every day that kind of a deal and then eventually they were just like well let's 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 capitalize on the zelda thing let's make this a zelda game and they chopped it down to three days because they realized seven was a little bit too much for people to keep track of by kind of starting with that base they were always looking to try to make a game that's much smaller in scope, but a lot more fleshed out for what's there. And so that's why you end up with, you know, NPCs that feel more like actual people and, you know, they have schedules and lives of their own. And, and that's not something that you could have done with, uh, well, Ocarina, for example, because of the larger scope of it, uh, the system just wouldn't have been able to handle that. Yeah, exactly. And I know, at least for myself, I, I prefer that. I prefer the Majora's Mask method. The the big worlds are nice and impressive the first, second, maybe even third time you see them, right? The first time I played Morrowind, for example, blown away, even though all the conversations were the same and, and so on and so forth. Oblivion, uh, Ocarina, etc., right? Very impressive at the beginning. But you're eventually going to kind of need more than to just wow the player once with a large game area. And I think, like I said, I think that's where Majora's Mask really excels. Majora's Mask doesn't try to wow you with large open spaces. It it tries to wow you with intimacy. Which <laughs> I know that sounds intimacy. extremely cheesy, but like it, it tries to wow you with your, the character relations, with you getting to know the characters, with you getting to know the schedules, with you getting to know what's going on, and to actual actually try and feel for what's going on with the characters. Ocarina does that to an extent, but not to the same extent that Majora's Mask does. Yeah. And just, and and somehow Majora's Mask feels more like an open world game with a smaller map size. Mm-hmm. And, and they really do accomplish that. And I think it's, it's, it's almost a marvel of engineering what they're able to accomplish with Majora's Mask, Mask and make it functional. It's almost gotten to the point playing it through the, the past couple, well, playing through the past week, that it's made me feel like um, a lot of the people that say that the, the clock is there and it's oppressive and it doesn't make you want to play the game. It's too stressful. I, I think they gave up on it in the first hour. Yes. That's what I honestly think. They weren't hard enough, Chris. They weren't hard enough to play this huh. game. Sure. Let's go with that. I'm fine with that. They were too soft. <laughs> they, they could not. They could not survive the Deku nut. If you can't survive the nuts, 
<laughs> then you're not a true Zelda player, man. You got to take that nut. You got to beat that nut. Don't stop until the nut breaks. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Majora's Mask That's is true. bringing the intimacy. It's true. Deku nuts. Deku scrubs. So with that nutty conversation right there, I think it's a good time to take a break. And we will be right back and get into the criteria for both of these games. See you in a bit. here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P B-O-N-E-S. continuously talking about Majora's Mask and completely neglecting The Sims. But I think oh, it's... I think it's... <laughs> yeah, we... I think we were planning on talking about that game huh. at some point. Weird. And that might... I don't know if it's going to come in on this subject. Maybe it will come in on a later bit of criteria, and I definitely think it will. But this... The first criteria we're going to go over is critical and commercial reception. Actually, The Sims might come into this. and this is. I think this is going to be tough because of what the sims did so in terms of critical and commercial reception we've we've heard the scores in terms of of metacritic we've heard uh the sales so in talking about which game really takes this one let's start out with shane shane which which game do you think takes the critical and commercial reception criteria here oh yeah it actually is kind of a tough one because if you think about it right you're, you you see the big giant sales numbers that the sims got but then you have to kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because then you're thinking okay well this got released on every platform known to man right so it's a little maybe inflated 
And then, you know, to your original point, you're talking about the sales numbers, three, um, just shy of three and a half million, right, for Majora's Mask, but that's a console exclusive. It's on one platform. And for the Nintendo 64, especially in 2000, those are pretty fucking respectable numbers. Um, and then, of course, you look at the scores, and they're pretty comparable with some, like, interesting outliers. I think the information here gives me pause in that i feel like maybe i have been misjudging yahoo reviews all these years because it seems like maybe they were a little bit more accurate <laughs> at that time um yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know as far as like the critical reception and sales kind of put together as one i feel as though i would have to lean more towards the sims in this particular instance and the only reason i say that is I'm thinking of it, and again, this is all totally subjective, of course, but I'm, I'm thinking about it of how I saw the reaction. Because there's there's one thing to talk about, like, journalistic outlets, right? Or, like, people that are in the gaming journalism space can give things certain scores that don't necessarily line up with, you know, actual, um, like, user sentiment, I guess. And I think at the time what I saw was not quite the same reception that I think the scores that you see on like Metacritic or GameFAQs or whatever um, would suggest. For that reason, I think at the time, I'm, I'm going to have to probably go with The Sims because that one was like, a, you could not escape it at all. Like everyone was talking about it. Most people were playing it. I mean, let's be real. It's basically the Wii of PC games. It was the thing that non-gamers played and it crossed over a analogy. lot of like quote end quote traditional boundaries of who plays video games. Uh unlike Shane, I I'm not waffling on this one at all. Uh it's The Sims and I don't even think there's any question honestly like by the time The Sims passed Mist which it did fairly quickly it was the best PC. It was the best-selling PC game of all time, period. And you had losers like me out there pirating it and not even buying it. Like everybody was playing it, and and the sales numbers were still gargantuan. Combine that with, I mean, you've got on Metacritic, you've got a ninety-five versus a ninety-two. But let's not kid ourselves. The ninety-five is that's receiving a very generous Nintendo bump, which we know is. <sighs> I a would fact. debate. I would debate it for Majora's so, Mask. I would debate that on Majora's Mask. You can, but I'm the one talking <laughs> okay. right now. So it's, it's got the Nintendo, You're entitled it's got to the be Nintendo bump. <laughs> so yeah, no, for, for me, there's, there's just no question it's The Sims. By the way, how is it that we're talking about how nobody saw The Sims coming, nobody yeah. could predict it was a success, and yet Myst was the best-selling game of all time? Hey, guess what? When you appeal to another gender, you get more sales. Who knew? I'm still... I'm just amazed that Mist held that title up until The Sims 2. <laughs> I know. I'm also amazed. That game is like, so fucking I really am. And, and again, I would have said no to oh The Sims. I know. But still, like, it's oh, sold yeah. like crazy, man. How did, I don't know, how did we not learn these lessons? I just don't understand. I think Paul brings up a good point, too, with, you know, you look at Mist compared to The Sims, and Mist is, it's an adventure game. It's it's a gender-neutral adventure game in a very male-centric, male-dominated industry especially back then it was if it's not a first person shooter it's not going to sell on pc 
if you're not killing demons, yeah. you're not blowing shit up, then why are we going to waste our time with this and put money into it? And every single time you found when they didn't do that, it was successful, like Mist, uh, which I think was more on innovation rather than anything else. It was just something that no one had ever seen before. True, true. Yeah, yeah it had a confluence of factors. Yeah, The Sims wasn't like wildly unimaginable right it wasn't something like you didn't need a 3d accelerator in order to play the sims you didn't need it like your graphics card or anything you could play this on your base pc and i think that actually lends itself to why it was so successful for so long like you could get your compact base compact presario and put the sims on there and you could play it just fine uh as in addition to your like top of the line pc of the era so as the pc became more and more common and got into more and more households this was something that, you know, not not just that your your hardcore Doom player could play, but your like your, your more professional businesswoman could play in her spare time, or even your uh, just you know professional businessman on his spare time would play too. I mean, it's not it's just not, not locked into female gamers. It wasn't female exclusive. They did bring in a lot of female gamers too. But what we said is it brought in a lot of people who traditionally didn't play video games. It's like Pokemon or Tetris or any of those kind of games. It's opening up the the gaming sphere to a lot different audiences. Mm-hmm. A much more diverse audience, which makes gaming better overall. I think we don't have any disagreements on that. I think it makes the gaming culture better. In terms of why why it's somewhat tough for me, and, and I say somewhat tough, uh, is because when you look at Majora's Mask, it only talks about the Nintendo 64 sales. It doesn't talk about what it sold on the Wii Virtual Console, the Wii U Virtual Console, the Majora's Mask 3D for the 3DS. It doesn't discuss that. And you do have to bring that to account because The Sims is is on PC. PCs essentially are more evergreen than any console will ever be. If I get a, a PC in 2000, could play the same games as the TC, PC in 2005, 2006. Its lifespan, its tail is much longer. Unless Microsoft changes everything in Windows again. Exactly. That being said, The Sims did have a sequel. It had The Sims 2, it had The Sims 3, it had The Sims 4. But they kept The Sims alive for a long time with just oodles and oodles and oodles of expansion packs. You know, essentially became games as a service. But in that sense, so critical reception, it, it like in the total of it, critical commercial reception, the critical reception, I think, would go to Majora's Mask. But the commercial reception is so strong for The Sims that the entire category has to go to The Sims. Just because you don't sell 16 million units on a fluke. And even if you take everything combined with Majora's Mask, it's nowhere near 16 million. It's it's not even close in terms of total sales. And even if you look at attach rate for the N64, sure. But, you know, the 3DS had a much larger sales base. And I'm pretty sure it didn't sell anywhere near the amount that it did on the N64s. It's a Zelda game. They just don't traditionally sell that well. So I, I would have to give it to The Sims, too. So Sims obviously easily takes this criteria hands down. Moving forward, personal attachment. I'll start, uh, I'll start out with this one. So for The Sims, personal attachment, I think you gathered from my intro... Sims really had no personal attachment. It just kind (laughs) of, I played it, I tried to like it, and I hated it. I'm not, I get it. I'm not the target demographic here. I'm not going to be attached to this game in the slightest. It's, for me, this is Majora's Mask, even though, like I said, I didn't play it until up until I recorded this episode. But it just reminded me like, hey, this is, this is much more my type of game. And had I played this earlier, had I sat down and given it an honest chance, through you know the past past 20 years i 
yeah, this is definitely a game that I probably would have been singing the praises of. And I understand why people did in 2012, 2013, when I probably should have played it when hype was at its all-time high. But I didn't. Uh, but I did play it recently. So in terms of personal attachment, i got to give it to Majora's Mask. Uh, Paul, how about you? As much like you, you gathered probably from earlier, uh, for me, it's it's The Sims. I don't think there's any question. I didn't play Majora's Mask when it came out. I mean, the fact is I had moved on from the N64 by then, if I had ever been on it at all. So it wasn't until, like you said, Chris, you know, 2012, 2013, actually probably a little bit later than that, that I had a look back and and was reading about Majora's Mask and and all these things that I missed that I didn't really realize. And I'm like, wow, this game is, this is a really interesting game. I should have probably given it a shot at the time. Oh, well, I was too busy playing <laughs> The Sims. So, <laughs> you know, for, for me, it's that. It, it was just such a... It was just such a pleasant surprise, really, more than anything else. I just wasn't expecting it, man. And that's so rare. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, we've been, by the time 2000 rolled around, I had been knee deep in video games for, I don't know, 12 to 15 years or something like that. And even by then, I was just not getting as, I was not getting surprised as often. So it was really nice then to have that that surprise in The Sims. I am thankful for my time with it all right well as for me um again i kind of put this out there i kind of front loaded this i guess but uh i didn't really have a whole lot of personal attachment to the sims either um other than that wonderful demo disc that probably ended up being a coaster at some point (laughs) unforgettable 20 minutes the best 20 minutes um just very into better than five yeah um but like i said you know I, I also had a number of friends who were hopelessly into this so it's not like you know i wasn't it, it's not like it wasn't around me i suppose i should say not that i was around it it was it was around me um even if i you know tried to escape it but uh, in a way similar to Paul, it's also like, you got to think about where I was in the year 2000. If I'm sitting down at the PC to play a game, it's, uh, it's going to be fucking Diablo two, baby. It's not going to be the Sims. Like (laughs) I would rather be leveling my sorceress, you know, blowing up Mephisto for the 80th time or something than putting down some real nice rugs in my house which if that's your jam like i'm not trying to disparage that it's just it's not it's not just it's not my thing you know thank you because i had some really (laughs) i mean they tie the room together what do you what do you want um (laughs) but yeah so and and on the other hand though this is a weird category for me because ultimately i don't have a huge amount of personal attachment to either of these But for Majora's, it was interesting because I owned and played the crap out of Ocarina. It's the only game, I think, to to this day that I've played from beginning to end like at least six or eight times, if not more. A lot of that is owed to the fact that I was a child that owned X number of game cartridges. And if I wanted to play something, that was what I played, you know, Oh, yeah. sure. It's dude. not, not, it's not like today where I'm just like, well, my Steam backlog has about 500 games on it and I don't know what to play and oh, I have decision God. paralysis. But um, but yeah, I didn't even buy Majora's Mask. Like 
I never got, I never asked my parents to buy it for me. Like we rented it a couple of times, uh, to see what the deal was. And Chris was right. You know what? Like I am that person. The reason that I have the feelings that I do about Majora's Mask is because I threw it in my N64, played like the first hour of it was like, what the fuck is this? And why is it telling me that I'm not going to be able to keep playing if I don't do all this bullshit in X amount of time. I don't, I don't, I don't want this kind of stress <laughs> in my life and then pulled the cartridge out and went and played something else. So I get it. I probably didn't give it a fair shake. Having said all of that, um, I've experienced the majority of the game vicariously through my wife because she is on a mission to try to play all of the Zelda games. And so she ended up playing this on her three DS. And so I kind of watched over her shoulder for a lot of it. And I, you know, I got the gist of it and I can see what Chris was saying, right? That like, once you get past that initial hump and you kind of get the, you know, the mechanics down, it's like a whole different ball game. And she enjoyed her time with it for what it's worth. But for me, like kind of experiencing it from the sidelines was like enough for me. Um, but <laughs> putting those both together, interestingly enough, I'm actually going to give this one to Majora's. I think I have more of a personal attachment to that than the Sims. Okay. So Majora's takes the personal attachment. Moving on, legacy genre-defining uh, just con- contributions. I think this one is probably going to be pretty easy. I do want to bring up some points for the counterpoint, but I, I don't think this is going to be really much of a discussion. So to start this one off, Paul, what game takes legacy genre-defining? Whew, that's, that's a tough one. Really? It's, it's <laughs> actually... No, I'm serious. It's, it's tougher than I... It's tougher than I expected, honestly, because here's the thing. Both of these games are actually relatively unique and other games that came after them. I don't know. I don't think there's been very many that have kind of duplicated what they did. The Sims is its own is its own thing, right? I mean, we can talk about games like Second Life or other kind of online life simulators. Maybe they took pages cribbed from The Sims a bit, but by and large, The Sims has been kind of its own thing. And any influence that it has made in other games, I just, I don't really see it. But that can also be a point in its favor in that the concept is so pure, so well executed that nobody else even bothered. <laughs> why? Why Why even Why even go up against or The Sims? They it's- just released an avalanche of fucking DLC and expansions for it and never left room for anybody else. Yeah. Great. <laughs> even, even better. <laughs> but it's, it really just kind of completely owns that space and is responsible for, I don't want to say responsible, but it is a champion as well of community content. Even before The Sims was released, they had released the creator tools for it. And people were already creating custom furniture, custom <laughs> fuck, custom wallpaper. I'm saying it like it's so exciting. <laughs> custom wallpaper. Yay. But I can have my own people were going nuts over that. in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> but people were going nuts over that. And they didn't stop. There was so much community created content and that just wasn't something that you saw at the time you saw mods you know you saw people making maps for fps games but there wasn't something like the sims with just that much involvement and you know obviously that's reflected by the sales numbers when you sell more copies of the game you're going to have more community involvement 
So, you know, which one's the chicken, which one's the egg? I don't know, but it's there. So the Sims legacy, a little bit, a little bit hard to to kind of define. And then you have Majora's Mask, which is in a similar boat, I think. I don't know if you guys will disagree with me, but like it seems like it's a fairly singular experience. It takes that Zelda engine and it <laughs> man, it's so weird how the open world aspect of Ocarina was this thing that blew all of our minds and then it just dials it back. You you would expect them to double down. Twice as big a world. It's twice as much Zelda. Like, why wouldn't they do that? And yet they brought it back, made it a more intimate experience. This whole three-day cycle thing where you're where you're playing your Ocarina and then resetting it and kind of doing it over again. I haven't I haven't really seen any game that does that there's probably some out there and people are probably yelling at me right now but like you know i'm not going into this keeping track of of every majora's mask clone if i don't remember it off the top of my head then it's probably not something that's influenced a ton of games it's it's the same thing kind of as the sims where has it influenced a whole bunch of other games not really not that i can tell but at the same time that is also laudable because it is its own singular experience, very well executed. Maybe there's nothing else like it because nothing can be. Maybe the developers were just that talented that nobody was really able to kind of approach what it did. You know, for for me, this is a tougher category than than I thought it would be. At the end of the day, though, look, I mean, Shane, it's like you said, man, The Sims is just all-encompassing it's it's the destroyer of worlds <laughs> like you can you cannot escape it it's it's the katamari damacy ball of of pc games it just it's huge it's inescapable and i think its legacy is very profound it brings in players of different demographics of different backgrounds unlike anything at the time and i don't know possibly unlike anything since I, I kind of have to give it to The Sims, ultimately. I'll go second here, and uh, I'm going to take Paul's Pokemon approach to kind of defining The Sims' legacy. If you like games as a service, <laughs> if you like making sure that you have to always keep on top of the latest thing and shell more money out to make sure that you're at the top of your game for your game, then The Sims' legacy is right in there. That's kind of what it defined itself as, is expansion pack after expansion pack after expansion pack. Do you want weather in your game? Buy this expansion pack, you fuck. Essentially. People, you know, people tend to forget that the original Sims game was just one Sim in their house. And they would go to work and they'd come back to their house. They didn't do anything outside their house. It was just their house. Which, yeah. once you got those expansion packs, you're able to do more and be able to get more. And see more, but that wasn't, you know, that wasn't The Sims. You needed to expand on that game. And it's not like games weren't exclusive to expansion packs before. I mean, uh, in some games and PC games here in this list had expansion packs like Diablo 2. You had Warcraft. I mean, almost every single major PC game had an expansion pack to its credit. But The Sims went overkill with it. And, you know, it was successful. It was marketable. It was lucrative. So who knows if that didn't kick it off for the PC market and just make sure, hey, we can just keep giving people shit to download and buy it because they will, because this is the only game they have. This is the only game they give a shit about. And we know that they're going to all be a bunch of whales. And that's how is that not a legacy in today's when you compare to today's digital market? It kind of started here. 
that's the 2000 comparison that you can make to it. There wasn't really anything that did that prior to it. Are you saying that I can blame the Sims for horse armor? Yes. Okay. Blame the Sims for horse Finally, armor. Finally, yes, you I may. know who to blame for it. <laughs> Look, it's to me, this is pretty simple. If you want to beat the Sims, make a better game. That's, sure. that's all there is to it. Sure. And if you can't, then we'll just keep selling expansion packs. It's not their <laughs> fault the game's too good. <laughs> what do you want from no, them? No, I mean, that's... And that's a good Paul's angle to EA approach it at, but... Confirmed. There's there's plenty of games better than Candy Crush, but people still play Candy Crush. There are plenty of games better than Angry Birds, but people still played Angry Birds. And Angry Birds gave you free DLC. Um, but I will have to get, get with Paul on this one. Like, like Pokemon, it brought in a lot of people into the gaming sphere. It really expanded what, what gaming was acceptable to. It brought in different demographics. That's a legacy you kill, really can't understate when you go beyond the, the core demographic that you typically appeal to, especially when you have EA as the owner of that IP. Because EA is EA. And, I mean, they're not Konami, but, you know, EA is the worst. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're a pachinko machine away. <laughs> they're a pachinko machine away. Who knows? They might own some in Japan for all I fucking know. But... <laughs> They're not Konami, but EA is the worst, especially for EA. I mean, to, to release a game like this and to see success on it, of course, EA is going to exploit it. That's what they do. But they're able to exploit it because it didn't attract audiences that they weren't used to having yet. 16 million sales is colossal. 11 million sales on PC at the time or any time, really. Well, up until modern times, I would say, is a colossal deal. That is just unimaginable in 2011 million sales. As far as Majora's Mask goes... Look, I mean, I, I like I, I wrote down in these notes that I have here that I think it's more open world than many of the open world games of the time, especially when you compare it to open world games of the day, because in, in Majora's Mask, yes, you do have to know when you have to go talk to people at certain times. They will give you quests to do in certain orders and or to do stuff. And and you could do this essentially whenever you want to. Uh, outside of the dungeons, the dungeons are fairly linear. You have to go into the dungeons in the order that that they want you to do it. But in terms sure. of, of getting heart pieces, in terms of getting masks, in terms of doing what you need to do with the people, it's all up to you. And the game doesn't tell you how to do it, when to do it, or how you should do it. It just says you can do it. And this is a year that Shenmue came out and everyone's like, oh, Shenmue is the biggest open world game. You know, it's, it's the foundational <laughs> open world game of, the, of all time. You can drive a forklift and you can do whatever. But Majora's Mask did a lot of that shit too. And I think it actually, the time mechanics of Majora's Mask and the way that they manage your open world experience and how you make it through the day and how you manage your, your daily grind and daily cycle is better than Shenmue. Yeah, it's, it really is. It, it does the open <laughs> world better than Shenmue and its world is significantly smaller. Like So everyone points back to Shenmue. No, it's Majora's Mask that really laid a lot of those foundations and because Shenmue, I think it looks on the surface more like GTA 3 and probably it probably GTA 3 probably did borrow more. When you really look at what Majora's Mask did to contribute to how you manage these time cycles and what works and what doesn't, Majora's Mask is a far more better interpretation of where the open world genre would end up going than than Shenmue did. And it, the fact that it came out in the same year and the fact that, you know, Shenmue was uh, touted as that game is why it gets pointed to, but I think it's at least it's not even discussed with Majora's Mask, and I think it's worth discussing what is the better open world game. But again, for this criteria, 
because that's what we're discussing here. The Sims is undeniable. It's undeniable because when you look at, there have been attempts at making clones and they haven't done as well, but you did have PlayStation Home, which was what Sony really got behind. You had Miis with uh, the Nintendo Wii, which who knows if they would have even been a thing if it wasn't for the Sims, avatars on Xbox, even like the modern interpretation of what a digital world would look like, like a Ready Player One world, what people would be like and what they would look like. I think that all kind of derives from where the Sims started people out as. So without the Sims, who knows what common culture would regard games as um, or what those kind of elements would be in modern gaming. So in terms of legacy, it, it goes to the Sims, hands down. Shane? Yeah, I mean, I think you both covered it pretty well, actually. I, I agree with basically all of the sentiments that you've kind of put out there. I think it's funny because you were just talking about that and it made me think about the fact that I suppose in a way – the Sims is responsible for like Club Penguin or Habbo Hotel. So thank you for that, I guess. Um, Every time he compared it to Pokemon, it was just to take me. I'm certain it was because I was not. simmering yeah, over no, here, man. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, listen, at, at the end of the day, if we're talking about the legacy that a game leaves behind and what it did for a genre in kind of a way, The Sims created a genre that wasn't really there before. I mean, I feel like that says enough. But even if, even outside of that, you know, you do have the legacy that it's that it's got. It had four mainline sequels, uh, an unnecessary number of expansions. Um, it's on mobile devices. You can play The Sims on your phone. Uh, and the thing is, is if you were to talk to like, statistically speaking, if you were to talk to just any random person, they will be more likely to know and understand what the Sims is than Majora's mask. They're like not even in the same discussion. And while yeah. I think Majora's definitely did some pretty innovative and bold things, especially knowing that they had to work kind of with, well, people were expecting them to work within the confines of what Zelda is supposed to be. And it very much is not that um, in a lot of ways that I think are positive as much. As I'm not necessarily overly positive about the game as a whole. I will give that credit where it's due. What is there? Is there one thing you can think of that future Zelda games really took along with them and you can point back to Majora's and say, like, yeah, this was an incredibly influential thing that this game did that, you know, future entries into the series, like, took notes from. I can't necessarily think of anything. Um, I'm sure that there's someone out there that's probably furiously typing or yelling in their car if they're listening to this on the way to work or something. of just like, but they did this and that was a thing that the other game did. And that's great. But I'm just saying like, I, I don't see it. And so when you stack that up to the cultural phenomenon that the Sims was and to, I think a lesser extent now still is, um, there's really no comparison. I just want to say that Final Fantasy 13 Lightning Returns is a Majora's Mask remake. <laughs> HD remake <laughs> confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Fight me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Final criteria head to head. So we can throw hands. <laughs> head to head. How do these. Okay. 
So how do these games compare against each other and which one would you rather play today? And for the listening audience, this is not our pick for who we would decide to advance in the King of Games 2000. It's just what we would rather play today. It may be indicative of where we go, but who knows? So, Shane, we'll have you kick this one off. Which one would you rather play head-to-head? If I was asked to sit down and play one of these games, I would probably decide that I would rather sit down and try to give Majora's Mask a fair shot, (laughs) because I didn't do that, than (laughs) play The Sims. And the only reason is because I know that the style of game that The Sims is is just not something that's going to hold my attention. It just, it, it won't. And, you know, I'm again, like Chris said earlier, I'm, I don't think I'm their, their target. And it's not even like a demographic thing. Cause I mean, hell we're sitting here talking to Paul and he was just like, yeah, I, I fucking loved it. So it's not even necessarily that I'm not the demographic. I'm just, it's not really just my style. It's a personal thing and that's okay. So yeah, I, I would actually give this one to Majora's because it is, for for all of the misgivings that I have about what they did with that game, um, and in my you know young brain comparing it to Ocarina and being like this isn't the same, um, it's still way closer to the kind of game that would be totally up my alley. Paul, I think I'd rather play Majora's Mask. Holy in shit! In spite of my yeah, in spite of all the fun I had with The Sims, I had my fun with it. And if I'm thinking about it now. I kind of, I've kind of been there and done that. I enjoyed it for what it was. It was a nice experience. I haven't fully explored Majora's Mask. I've hardly explored it at all, really. And when I think about how much fun I had with Breath of the Wild fairly, you know, relatively recently, a few years ago, but whatever, I think I'd rather pick up Majora's Mask and, and give that one a whirl. So I, I want to say more than just Majora's Mask Sims is trash. Uh, I do <laughs> want to say more than that. And that's because, you know, I can't say The Sims is trash. It's just not my type of game. And that's something I lament because there's a lot of these kind of games I'm addicted to. Like I said, I mean, Candy Crush isn't advertised towards me, but Candy Crush brought in a lot more people from all over the world to play and increased the demographics and made itself a a Katamari Damacy of the mobile world. Doesn't mean I want to play it over other games that were released the same year. It just means it was a big game and brought in a lot of people. So... Yeah, of course, I want to play Majora's Mask. Just because, like Shane said, The Sims is not my type of game. It, it just never will be. Uh, Majora's Mask, me playing it the past week, I haven't beaten it yet. I'm about halfway through, and I, I fully intend to beat it no matter what happens in this episode, whether it advances or not. I enjoy Majora's Mask probably more than any Zelda game I can actually I can actually think about playing. I definitely prefer it wow. to Ocarina of Time. I prefer it to Twilight Princess. I need to spend more time with Breath of the Wild because I think I played that for a cup of coffee and was like, I got to go back on deployment. (laughs) (laughs) Majora's Mask, every single moment I played with this game has been an absolute delight. And like I've been playing with a guide, too, meaning like I'm not playing this game the way you should be playing it. I'm not playing the game to establish relationships with the characters and the way it was meant to be played where you could sit down and actually investigate everything. And yeah, does, does, does me playing with a guide should actually probably diminish the way I feel about this game because it's just more streamlined. But this has been an absolute joy, an absolute delight, and an unexpected surprise because like a lot of people, I thought the time gimmick would drive me away from it instantly. But once I got past that first hour, I was like, this is 
this is turning me back onto the series. This is making me look back at it and rethinking the entire series from the ground up. And maybe I need to relook at it. And maybe Shane isn't wrong about Ocarina of Time. And maybe I am, but I don't think I am, but we'll find out. I, I think Finally. I like this one more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely Majora's Mask <laughs> is um, what I play head to head today. I, I think I already gave away what, what's coming up, but um, that is what's coming up. <laughs> so here we are for all the marbles. Which game is going to advance into the final eight for the king of games? 2000. I think Shane went last time. He's gone last twice. Paul went last on our last recording. So I'm going to put myself in that position. I will go last today and I will give uh, our guest the honor of going first. So, Paul, uh, what is advancing for you in the King of Games 2000? Look, man, the bottom line is my wife hates video games. She's very fond of saying that she hates video games. <laughs> I tell her to press the circle button, and she's like, which one's that? And before I can explain it, she just throws the controller at me in fury. She's like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And yet, when I mentioned The Sims, she's like, oh yeah, I love that game. Look, like that's, that's, that's kind of the bottom line, man. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it had that magic. And... As great as Majora's Mask is, and I mean, look, we've got 16, well, 15 great games and also Pokemon in this <laughs> tournament. Uh <-huh. laughs> so, like, obviously something's going to get, you know, something's going to get kicked to the curb early. And for me, Majora's Mask gets kicked to the curb, man. The Sims is, to me, it's just, it's just undeniable. That game, that game was a juggernaut. I enjoyed it. It was a wholly unique experience. All right, Shane, are you sure you don't want to go next? Okay, if you're going to put me in that position, I will put that, I will go. I'll take it. I understand the argument that a game can be very broad and and reach a lot of people. And that's why I brought up Candy Crush earlier. Am I going to say Candy Crush is the greatest game of 2015, 2014, is the game of that year, whenever it fucking came out? No. Do I recognize it as a phenomenon? Do I recognize it bringing in a lot of people? Like how many millions of downloads did Candy Crush get? How many millions of downloads did Angry Birds get? And there's no denying that those games are fantastic. There's no denying that those games open up an entirely different viewpoint of what video games are, what they could be, and where they could go. But that doesn't make them the best game of their year. It doesn't define that year. And in a way, it does. And But in a way, it, it where do you really go with that? Because if you put that up against a lot of other games in those eras, I think we're having a completely different discussion. Like, uh, it's just basic casual stuff, and it's just basic stuff. Yeah, doesn't make their doesn't make them bad, but I think the conversation is a lot different, and, and what our personal attachment is to it. The Sims is a good game, but The Sims is one of those games that people move on from, people forget about, and people throw over their shoulder and looking for the new and most recent edition of that game. Majora's Mask is a game that is can only be uniquely experienced within itself. There hasn't been a game that's been recreated by it. It's been a game that has aged well since. There hasn't been, like, there's been a sequel to Majora's Mask, but it hasn't done Majora's Mask stuff. And The Sims 2, 3, and 4 did more to advance that game than even the expansion past did. The unique experience that Majora's Mask provides, what it defines, how it gained its fan base when it did... And the fact that it's only gotten stronger and more 
been more appealing since it came out. To me, makes it the more defining game. And to say that, like it, it broadens horizons, it broadens demographics. Zelda is one of those series that definitely does have a share of female fans. It has a pretty diverse fan fan base. It's it's not exclusive to males. It's not exclusive to to old to the young. It's pretty universal. So that being said, I gotta choose Majora's Mask, and if it goes, it goes. But it's um it's a unique game. And it, it did a lot of good things, and it's a very fantastic game. Um, I know it has some stiff competition coming up, and I mean, both of these games do, especially how this thing is seated. But Majora's Mask is <laughs> Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask is one of those games that when you sit down, you give it a chance. It's a phenomenal game. I have to give it to I have to give it to Majora. All right. So. This is not the only one where I've had to do this, actually, but I, I always try in in these episodes uh, to be as objective as I can be when coming down to this decision, right? Um, because I have to look at it as not necessarily like what is my personal bias or what have you, but how was it viewed at the time in 2000 as well as how people kind of look at it now and kind of a healthy mix of both. I think the the interesting thing that I kind of picked up on from both of you is when you're talking about the Sims, you are you're you're saying a lot about like, you know, what it did for for gaming, for expanding the, you know, the 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 definition of who a gamer could be. Um, it was much more like inclusive in that way. And it was by all accounts, pretty ubiquitous when you're talking about Majora's mask, there's a lot of positive things that you're saying as well. However, I find it interesting that it's all couched in caveats. It's all, well, if you, if you give it a chance, it's, it's a good game. Uh, you know, if you look at it this way, like it did a lot of this, if, 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 then, 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 whereas you're not really doing that necessarily with the Sims. It's just, yeah, this was, this was a fucking thing and everybody knows it. And kind of to Paul's point too, and he was a lot more succinct about it, but I think generally speaking, he's much better at doing that than I am. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm just long winded, but I, I kind of have to look at it that way too, in that I'm thinking about the people around me at that time. Cause if you're thinking about the year 2000, that was right around the beginning of high school for me. And so there were a lot of people, um, a lot of girls that I knew, a lot of guys that I knew that fell down a Sims hole. And I can't really say the same thing about Majora's mask. I just can't. And so when I kind of compare those two things and the fact that, you know, it's very much a straightforward, like, yeah, these were all these positive attributes of the Sims. And yes, there's these positive attributes of Majora's Mask, but, you know, you take it with this grain of salt because reasons. I, I, I'm going to have to give this one to the Sims. I'm going to be honest. All right. Wow. Not, not what I expected. Not what I expected. No, definitely. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of thought you'd go with Majora there, Shane. Honestly, I thought I was going to for most of the time leading up to this, but the the more I think about just the impact that The Sims had at the time and like I said just how ubiquitous it was and, you know, as ridiculous as the game may be depending on your viewpoint, 
it really did a lot to kind of expand, you know, who could consider themselves a gamer, you know, if you want to call it that way. And so I think that's a big thing. Cool. Well, Shane, let me tell you, if I had your velvety voice, I would be long-winded too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so I guess that does it. The Sims advances in the King of Games 2002, the round of eight. But in any case, we'd like to thank you for joining us. Paul, how about you talk about, just go ahead and talk about the region-free gamers again and where we can find you on the internets and socials. Well, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can find us pretty much on any podcatcher as well as YouTube, Spotify, etc., And if you want to interact with us, you can find us on Discord. You can find us on Instagram where we are at Region Free Gamers Podcast, Twitter at Region Free Gamer. And if you like what you hear, you can sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash Region Free Gamers. All right, Shane, how about you carry out the rest of us with our normal spiel? Fantastic. All right. So the spiel. So if you're listening to us, then that means you've already found us. So hi, hello, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you're listening to it on the Patreon feed, then that means that not only do you know us, but you're insane enough to give us money for some reason, Um, (laughs) which, you know, we appreciate, but we don't necessarily recommend it. Um, However, if you want to go against my advice, you know, if you're not a patron, but you'd like to be and you want to hear these things before anybody else, then you can head over to uh, gorpfans.com, that is G-O-R-P-F-A-N-S.com, and you can choose a donation tier of your choice, whichever one suits you best. For as little as a dollar, you get access to some pretty great bonus audio content in the form of full-length episodes. And uh, if you'd like to go up in an even higher tier than that, then you get access to even more cool stuff, like our rapid-fire reviews and outtakes from recording sessions, neat things of that nature. And of course, we also have a public discord, which we would love to have you jump in. If you are not already, you can do that by going to bit.ly slash RHP chat. That gives you an invite into the arcade floor channel where you can hop in, say hello, share some memes, you know, do what you do, uh, make good use of the internet. That's what it's there for. And uh, last but not least, we do still have the merch store open. So if you feel so inclined to get yourself some new swag, then you can do that by going over to bit.ly slash RHP merch. And outside of that, uh, Chris, if you'd like to plug the Twitch real quick, and then I think we can hit the big red button on this episode. Yeah. So if you go to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, you might be able to find us every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, at least as long as our OBS works correctly. If it doesn't, you might find us around 9.05 to 9.10, but just hold tight. You'll find us there. We'll be streaming something that is somewhat related to what we're doing or not. It may not be, just what we do for fun. But in any case, again, that is twitch.tv slash retro hangover, 9 p.m. on Sunday-ish. Shane? All right. Well, in that case, with all of that being said... Until next time, play with your simlish joysticks.